Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, listening people. It's me. It's me, one of the hosts. But I, uh, who am I? I don't know. Is there another person to tell me who I am? Hello. Hello. Hello, mysterious voice in the ether. How are you doing? Good, Ryan. And how are you? I have a name. I've been gifted a name. Oh, and can I give you a name in return? Uh... I already have one, so let's see how close you get to being accurate with my name. Okay, everyone. I'm Ryan of, uh, I'm looking at my notes here, Spit and Polish Presents, and I am joined by the legend himself, Shahrukh Khan. Everyone is here. Wow. Thank you for, thank you for having me, Ryan G. (laughs) There's no evidence that you're not him. By the way, yeah, well, no ac- one- according, according to the program that I'm using, I'm Bartek and you're Yum Yum Pod. No! My other podcast where I host a Babylon 5 discussion with my wife. No, we are. Uh, nothing else. And nothing else. Uh, on the occasion, Bartek will join. But no, to put all of the jokes aside and all of the ha ha's and silliness, because I know everyone was laughing out loud with all of the hijinks. We are Ryan and Bartek, the hosts of Spit and Polish Presents, a podcast in which we are both spitting older gentlemen, and we both happen to be Polish. And Bartek, it's been a little while since I've checked in on the Polish culture. Has anything changed? What's been happening over in the world of Poland? Um, I don't know about Poland. Uh... I think a couple of hours ago I heard someone talk and I thought it was Polish, but it ended up not being Polish. What was it? Something else. Hindi. So <laughs> Hindi. <laughs> wow, right. What, what's with all these Shadow Khan and Hindi references? Well, because today, Bartek, we're talking about not an Indian movie, but a Japanese film. And, you know, those are the two countries you love to give us on this podcast pretty regularly when it comes to foreign film suggestions. We don't mm. get a lot of Bulgarian picks from Bartek. That's true. I usually go with, like, yeah, one Bollywood film a year, one anime film a year. I don't think I've done the anime one yet, though. Well, does well, we could talk about it today on our <laughs> podcast, Pictures Pow Wow, in which we go over a film that has come recommended. And on the occasion, I recommend a film. On the other occasion, you, the listening people, recommend a film. That's correct. If you hit us up and say, I want you to look at this movie, we add it to the list and we do it. But... This is a very special day. This is a very special week because it landed on Bartek to suggest a film for us all to discuss and watch and go over and just embrace into our hearts and souls. And what film did you pick, Bartek? So I have recommended the 2013 Japanese animated film Patema Inverted. And... If people you have not seen this before, recommend you give it a watch. But for those who need a little bit more convincing to be sold on it, how would you do it, Bartek? How would you go about it? Sure, I'll, I'll tell you more than I knew walking in. <laughs> um, so this is a science fiction film from a director who's only done a couple of things but seems to be interested in science fiction stories. Um, that deals with a world in which it seems half the population um, 
have gravity working normally for them, and the other half have it completely upside down, um, and they fall into the sky, so they live underground. And it's basically looking at uh, a conspiracy behind, you know, why that is the case, uh, what sort of cultures that they have, and what happens when, you know, two members of these different uh, groups interact and the sort of uh, conspiracy that unfolds from that. It's a romance. The logline I would give you, the listening people, and then you should go off and watch the film for yourself so that you don't get spoiled spoiled any further, because we will go into detail, is the comic book guy line of dialogue, I do believe, in which it is, but Aquaman, you can't love her, she doesn't have gills, you're from two different worlds, and that's this movie's love in a lot of ways, and so go out and check it for yourself. And so let's get into our relationship and history with this film, if we have a deep one, or if this is a fresh, new experience for us both. And I have never heard of this movie before, it's never come up come up in discussion or on my radar, and I am not unaware of a lot of more, I guess, modern anime. This is a decade old now, but you know when I say like modern anime where it has a certain visual aesthetic? There's just mm-hmm. something when you look at this, you can say, oh, this is one of those modern animes. This is one of those, you know, 21st century ones. This isn't this isn't in the same style as Ghost in the Shell or even Paprika, say. So I have no familiarity with this, and I did not know what I was getting into. You said the title, and it's, you know, it's an interesting one. Like, what does that mean? If you're not too familiar with names, you're like, what What does these two words mean to one another? And when I was Googling the film to find a copy of it and to make sure of things, because we did watch this with subtitles, but I did find out uh, through some research online later on that the distribution of this film is actually quite interesting and tricky, and there's there's quite a variety of subs out there. So Bartek and I probably watch the same film, but maybe with different subs on, so we yeah, may have maybe. a different experience going into this. But Yeah, there was one interesting thing that I noticed, like looking it up after watching it. It was like the character's name was spelt differently. Well, there you go. And so I really had no expectations for this, I didn't know if this was going to be a kidsy one or an adult one, if this was going to be a romance, a fantasy, a science fiction, horny or mature or whatever the case may be. We have been trying to do more animated films and that does mean uh, animes have come up uh, recently and we've had uh, a quite a selection of them on this podcast, but also in our spare time, we have been watching some some animated projects, some TV shows, and that has also had uh, an interesting catalogue of different styles and different voices, and so I was really just up for watching whatever this was. Now, Bartek, you recommended this, so I'm invested. I want to know what is your background with this? You even said just a moment ago that, you know, you, you kind of gave away that you may not have seen this before, but it, you still recommended it. So I want to know your story. Yeah. So this is a film that 
a couple of years ago, I, on an anime website that I use called Anime Planet, I mark things that I've watched or want to watch. Um, but I don't check it too often. And I was wondering to myself, oh, I've got to recommend a non-Hollywood film for my next recommendation. What's something that I could pick? I haven't done an anime one yet. I wonder if I've ever marked anything and just forgotten about it. And there were a couple of different anime films that I had marked. Though I remember there was one that was only like 45 minutes long. I thought, oh, okay, that could be a quick watch. Um, but yeah, I saved that for another time. And I saw that this was one of them that I had marked, Patema Inverted. And if I had to hazard a guess, I think back when we did A Silent Voice, I talked about that. I discovered that film from like an just a random article that someone uploaded of, here are some anime films that you should check out. And I know that the 45-minute one I alluded to before was definitely on that list. So I'm wondering if maybe Patema Inverted was on that one. Because I definitely marked it at some point, but it has like not existed in my memory at all until basically just a few days before uh, Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. And I had a look at a basic synopsis, not even the synopsis, just like the tags that were associated to it. And there was like, you know, science fiction, conspiracy. The the poster was there and it was like these two characters that were upside down and the word inverted was in the title. And I just had this... Uh, off-the-cuff vibe called that, oh, this might be an interesting one, and I think maybe even Ryan might enjoy this one. So it was kind of a, a blind suggestion that had promise. Yes, and there are, it feels like there, there's always a joy when you or I recommend a film that the person recommending it hasn't seen, and they don't know how it will land for the other person on this podcast or for themselves, even. By and, the way, listening people, we recently rewatched Confessions. Oh, man, that was such a fun thing to revisit. But uh, to, to get to the meat of the matter, what did we think of this? What did we get out of it? How are we feeling towards it? And so I, I need to know from you, Bartek, you have had a history of a sort, but even as you said, it is it is a very murky and foggy one. And I'm similar to you, where there are some films that I've written down or added to a list, and I've forgotten what it is that made me drawn to it, or, or at least, oh, I'm aware that this is something that could be up my alley, but I haven't partaken in it, so what about it is going to be for me, or will it succeed in that? So, Tell us all, what did you think of the film? I really vibed well with this film. I, I didn't know the premise going in, um, but seeing it all unfold, that this is a you know the world where two different halves of it uh, have different gravities, um, it was just a really interesting premise as soon as that was established. Um, and then once we started getting characters, you know, our two main characters, Patema and Eiji, you know, interacting, a lot of the visual language of the film was really speaking for, like, the emotion and the vibes of the scenes. So, like, when we start the film, we only see our female protagonist, Patema, for quite a while. Um, and it's it's got this very, like, Nauschka and the Valley of the Wind vibe where she's in this, you know, mm -hmm. mysterious-looking, warehouse -y, like, constructed place and uh, she's, you know, going around through the, like, vents and stuff like that. Um, and there's this world out there uh, that hasn't really been explored. 
And then once she gets out there, suddenly, you know, what we understand to be the sky becomes like an endless, bottomless pit. Um, and it starts to feel, you know, very scary, like you can fall into it. Um, and then once we meet our male main character uh, and the camera, our perspective literally shifts upside down, suddenly we we feel like we're not in her shoes anymore and we're starting to see, uh, you know, how something so dangerous to her is, as in real life, just the sky to us. And, yeah, it played around with the, the perspective a lot um, and I was just really on board with a lot of, yeah, the feelings that that gave me. I agree with you when it comes to that side of the presentation, the visual language, the way it played with those perspectives and how the animation was utilized to really sell this premise of these two lovers who are for, like these two figures who are in love, but they're from drastically different worlds where one, they're inverted. One gravity is all different and weird, but there's also many other sentiments to be explored when you have that outside of just the sci-fi premise. And I, I like the visual style of this film, uh, less so with the character designs on some of them. Some of them I really like the character designs, some of them are a little bit too uh, generic, cutesy anime style for my taste. But It felt very by the book for 2013 standards. Yeah. But the environments I thought were gorgeous, I thought they were well realised, they we did Penguin Highway recently, and that film had a nice, clean digital sheen to it that really complemented complemented that film. While this one, although you can say have, has that, I feel like the dirt and the grass and the metal and the rust all had a texture to it, all felt as if you could touch it and have a sensation. And that means a lot to me in, in anime, especially, you know, even though it's a, a TV thing and it probably doesn't hold up to the standards, what I'm talking about today, but when I think back on Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and and how their environments were this colorful thing, yet it also felt like you could you could writhe around in the in the chunks of dirt or grass or whatever it was. It always brought me into the narrative of a of this type of animation that is wanting to tell a compelling story. This isn't just kidsy, cartoony stuff. This is a mature tale. But to get into if I like this or not, I I kind of realized a bit way through that this is a great film for what it is achieving, like for what demographic, for what style it is, but it is not a particular brand that I'm a big lover of, but it's one that I've never really watched, which is this made me feel like we were back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, in the height of teenage romance, post-apocalyptic, uh, Hunger Games, uh, young Divergent, adult yeah, young adult stuff, which right. I've never watched any of those. And it's not out of a sense of, I hate it, I don't want to watch it. It's just, they've never come across my desk and I've watched reviews. I know we, we were both there at the height of it. So even if you did not consume it, you have a, a, a perspective or an opinion on it. And I, I was watching this thinking, oh, this is ticking all of the boxes of 
the YA, they're separated by some weird society and some weird gimmick thing. And although I am not drawn to that, I'm not a fan of that per se, I can acknowledge and recognize that if you are someone who enjoys that type of story, this is a film you should definitely check out. If you are someone who haven't who hasn't watched a lot of Japanese animation and yet you are a fan of, say, The Hunger Games or Divergent or anything like that, The Maze Runner came to mind, this would check a lot of boxes. And I think this is a perfectly valid piece of entertainment for that. You know, I, I think it's so annoying that there are some types of stories or, or some types of tales aimed at certain audiences that get such scorn and ridicule because it doesn't have an appeal to certain people like me. Like, we were both there when when Twilight and, and Hunger Games yeah. and all of that happened, and it was... And I'm not going to argue whether those things are quality pieces of writing, but there was just this overt sentiment in the air of their shit and if you like them you're stupid and it was very it was very um it was a very reductive way of thinking even if there was some valid criticisms being had it was very reductive and i felt being i was being transported back into that time when i was watching this and i'm actually experiencing one of these one of these pieces of media that i could easily see be ripped apart for some of the same reasons those things were. I mean, do you have any any thoughts on on some of that stuff? Did that come to your mind by any chance? Uh, not to a specific degree. There was definitely something uh, that I was feeling that like, okay, yeah, I could see this being a bit uh, outside of what I'm expecting. Like, definitely, um, when you asked me what my thoughts were and I was focusing on, you know, the world itself and the world building and how the perspective worked, um, I was definitely a lot more interested in the concept. I definitely liked our main characters, but, uh, yeah, it, it definitely did have that, uh, notion of, you know, we're, we're in this very serious situation and we're following, you know, two teenagers and they're, they're kind of what the story's all about and how it's going to be resolved is through their actions. Yeah, it did kind of have that vibe. It's uh, yeah, the, the the whole YA young adult thing. I always associate with being more of a Western thing. So I guess the neurons weren't connecting to this Japanese thing, even though yeah, in Japan so much media is focused around younger people or children or teenagers. Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely see there being a bit of a crossover. Um, I guess because also same as you, I don't, I haven't really experienced. Uh, all of the other things you mentioned. I, I read the first Twilight, but I don't remember a single thing really about it. Um, I always did get a vibe looking in that, like, there's a sort of, like, edginess factor. Um, you know, a lot of them were about, like, you know, violence, like, Hunger Games, you know, killing each other or something like that. Yeah, and there's an evil society that perpetuates this need for separation and for us yeah. and for people to be divided and there's a classist system and this film does that but through a very specific lens and one that is more of a, a, a almost one through a, a zealot's point of view yeah and and also you know with that vibe we do have that kind of you know society 
Um, but our main characters are generally on the purer side in terms of, you know, their characterization. Oh, yes, of course. Our main characters are are rebellious or naive or stumbling across this for the first ever time, maybe have a history with trying to rebel against this in the past. And so it definitely has that. And I think, to your point, I haven't thought about what YA stuff is like over in Japan and in this time, I guess from from my angle, and I don't know if, how true this is because I know some of these films are very popular with adults, but we've we've covered the, some films that definitely fall into this or ones that we may have watched outside of it. So we did, you said it before, well, um, um, a silent a, voice. Silent voice, I feel, definitely goes into that. But also the the director who does... Uh, that film that we saw in the cinema, you and I and our f- and my wife and our friend Will. Oh yeah, we watched Suzume. And, and and that director, I feel, is definitely capturing that market right now with mm. with that where it's aimed at these younger children, like these younger people, but it can also be resonant with adults because that was also the thing, like YA. Makoto Shinkai. Yeah, YA in the West during this era I'm talking about did connect with adults, hence. There were adult fans of Twilight and and so on and so forth, but it was obviously aimed at a certain demographic. And I, I really, I like I said, I did not love this film all that much. Uh, and I think one of the key things that held me back is, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I needed more time on our two central characters getting to know each other, not just on an individual level or on a level of knowing what their societies and cultures are about, but on a romantic level. I felt that we didn't get enough time of that before all of the shit hit the fan and then they're on the run and he has to save her and do this and do that. There was a moment where he's doing all of this crazy stuff to get her back and he's going down to her place and I'm I'm scratching my head going, you, you kind of barely know her. At least with what I've seen on the screen. And that I was full- my big complaint. I fully agree with that. Yeah. They're, they're, I, I walked into this film conscious of the fact that it was only 100 minutes long. Um, and there were some times where I was thinking like, oh, we've only got this much time left. I feel like we should have seen a little bit more. Like definitely um, in terms of their meeting, there came the point when it was when she left the hut and they were on the run from the Batman um, and he was discovering like how he could use her as like a sort of gliding parachute thing. That felt like a very like first act kind of moment for their relationship where it was like, ooh, you've just discovered this thing. Now you're going to sort of play around with this new ability that you guys have and go on a few adventures. Um, and then you can get sort of into the uh, end of second act leading into the climactic third act part but really like at the end of that sequence they get captured and they're already separated and as you said you know he's wandered into her world getting you know friendly with them and then they're going on the rescue mission it's like well, we've gone a little bit too quickly to this climactic moment and i think later on when they float up to the sky where um his father's hot air balloon thing was and we did get like some more moments with them. It kind of felt like they were making up for the lost time where we should have had some of those vibes a little bit earlier. Because there was not enough of a bond between the two of them at the beginning in the in the in the introduction of the film, I think it 
it weakened the priorities of the my viewing of it because okay so what is the interest oh is it the evil society is it her family is it our main guy is it his family like what is the focus and so when it did make me have to look at those things i couldn't help and maybe this is just because I will just admit it outright. There was a small level of resentment from me because we weren't focusing on focusing in on their romance towards these other things. So it it did that. It did that. It withheld on what I feel to be the most important thing of this story. And so when it made me look at the other things, I was far more critical of them. So if you're going to give me this evil government society thing. You have to give me some more layers and nuances of it. But instead, it was like, yes, mustache twirling evil guy who's crazy. And he has bad guys that look like Nazis and, you know, stormtroopers. And they have red glowing eyes, not so subtle guys. And then it made me get annoyed at, okay, so if we're going to focus in, and I don't know if you had this at all at Bartok, but if you're going to focus in on our antagonists rather than our love story, it really threw me for a loop that they let our main guy go immediately after they captured him with an inverted. This character whose father has a history, they treat this, this kid as an outcast, they, they are super vigilant, and yet they just slap him on the wrist and say, off you go. I just, I just couldn't wrap my brain around that. I'm like, what? Well, Ryan, they took away like eight demerit points. Oh, that nailed it. Sorry. Like, what does that mean, though? Well, he had 24. Now he has like 16. But what does that, you know, you are being a smart ass, but like. I am. But, you know but what the, I'm saying, though? I remember in that moment, though, when, you know, his point thing went down, just to establish for listening people. This is a society where they have points to become a citizen or something like that. So losing them means you're being bad. When I saw that happen and it didn't go like straight to zero or something, I had this thought of like, oh, so he's not in too deep shit. And like it got followed up with like the interrogation, you know, the foot on the head. And, and then they let him go. I'm like, oh, I, I guess, I guess he's not at zero. So he's let go. But there, it was that weird thing, like what you were saying, though, it felt like it was such a big thing that he did that he should have had a bit more comeuppance from them but yeah he still had points ryan but i'm going a bit hard in on the things that stop me from my enjoyment of it uh, i want to know more from you about the things that you gravitated towards what what were the elements of the film that were successful for you um well just to go on on the point of you know something that did throw me off a little bit there, there there definitely was an element of like okay what's our point gonna be here and i remember the film uh started off we were just focusing on patema and i mentioned before that it kind of reminded me of naushka of the valley of the wind um and i was thinking to myself during that early point like oh okay so because i didn't know the film okay we got like a female protagonist i didn't know i picked one of those this would be fun to see um, and then we did get introduced to our lead character who very much looked like a male anime lead character. And it said in that like, okay, this is going to be like a shared thing between the two of them. Um, so while I didn't mind the fact that it was a shared, uh, main character role thing, um, it, it did kind of, yeah, throw me off and like, okay, I got to readjust my expectations. And in terms of the romance, because nothing specific, there wasn't like too much 
what am I trying to say here? I, I guess I was noticing that they weren't going too all in on romantic feelings. There was like this believability that like, oh, they're just going for friendship. But I, I do agree that maybe uh, it should have been a bit more of a clear road of like, oh yeah, they do have a thing for each other. Go with that. Because yeah, by the end of the film, we do have characters like getting jealous or distraught over the fact like, oh, they love each other kind of thing. Yeah, it, it did feel like it needed a little bit more focus. But yeah, overall still, just the the premise of the film or with all the the inversion stuff, like I walked in thinking that, oh, maybe it's going to be a thing where, you know, a device will constantly switch, switch, switch. So like things on the ceiling will fall on the ground. Things on the ground would fall on the ceiling. So that was a nice surprise to find out like, no, everything has its set gravitational pull. And it was played around with, interestingly. I agree. And I thought it was very fun to see the characters interact with people and objects that have that different gravitational pull. Like the villain, I think he was playing with a pen or something, and he was giggling evilly, and then he just let it go, and it flew up to the roof. And mm. that was that was cool. And it just is it just always uncomfortable. And, Again, you know, with with positives here, one of the aspects when it comes to the world building was when they did eventually fall, when they actually did fall and they went to the sky. And the the sheer terror of it was really well communicated. Like when he wakes up after having passed out or or gone unconscious and he just is looking at all of these horrific yet beautiful clouds and and it's just no human should be that high up, especially in the way that they are. Mm, and yeah, the... um, yeah, and I was just gonna say, like, it was just breathtaking, but in a way that made me have sweat on the palm of palm of my hands. And that is again the highest of praise to the animation that this 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 drawn image can make me feel the intensity that i imagine some people may feel from say when you watch those mission impossible movies and and then tom cruise is literally on the highest building in the world throwing himself off of it and you know it's real this is the case where i know it's not real and yet my reaction is that of the same thing where i'm i'm getting nervous about it but i'm also excited and that transition shot of what looks like stars above and then you realize it's lights mm. and that there's an industrial thing there and i just that was so well done like that's probably the sequence i would show someone to say watch this movie look at this now go watch it if if you weren't convinced enough like that there is the scene you could easily imagine being so, the thing to sell the film on i just it was really spectacular, and I just had a, a great time with it. Uh, yeah, I loved how the film established a lot of its rules and then played around with them. So, you know, we have our two main characters. One goes one way, one goes the other. Um, and we learn that, okay, well, it's not just like a one-to-one -one thing. Like, the guy weighs a little bit more than the girl, so they mm -hmm. can negate sort of a lot of their weight and use it as like a hang glider. Um, and then you have that safety net of like, okay, well, as long as they're still on in his side of the, oops, sorry, as long as they're still on his side of the world and he's got a grip on her and, you know, he's not slipping, he just has to grip, um, they should be safe. And then they play around with that. Well, what if she has like a weight tied to her 
leg that pushes her over the line and suddenly if they're together he's now in danger because they're going up but also because the weight isn't too heavy they're not falling up too quickly so it is a thing of like are they actually going to be safe are they actually not it's yeah it was really intense and really fun to see them do things with that i i think unless i'm misremembering that did lead to like the only logic uh point uh, against it where when they were when they were up there on the the industrial area i don't know how she was walking i felt like maybe she would have been weighed downwards yeah but other than that you know i didn't mind it well there were some leaps of logic that i had to take like when they do fall some characters can fall and hit the ground and gravity doesn't like break their fucking legs and other ones it does imply to kill them or hurt them and i'm like which is it it's whatever's good for the plot and again I'm not going to do this because this is the most boring type of criticism that you can give, but you know, when you have such a high premise, you do wonder the logistics of things. And one of the funny ones I thought about was they have this girl captured. She's sitting on the villain's roof on his ceiling. And I was thinking, what if she needs to pee? I thought about that. Like, what if she needs to pee or poo in this environment? You know, like, does it just go off? just splats up because everything that's like from her, whether it is uh, like her hair or her clothes or her items all apply to her gravitational pull. But it was just like funny little things like that. I was thinking about during I, I this. Did, I did read someone online was talking about the fact that she ate a sandwich with a different gravitational pull and how that would probably fuck with the, you know, digestion. <laughs> that's really fucking true. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's wild, and of you know, yeah, yeah, of course. And the big question: What happens when two people from different inversions have a child? Yeah, I did read someone made that one as well. <laughs> First, what is sex like? But like, how does a child like? Where do they go in the gravitational pull? Do they get it from their mum's side, their dad's I, side? I th- do they? I think. Go sideways? I think some nerd I read commented that it depends on the diet of the mother, but that sounded boring. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If she eats sandwiches from a different directional pull, then it will be, you know, the dad's... Yeah, sure. Um, But I loved also the color palette of this film. It was both bright and and, and vibrant, but it also had the appropriate amount of, uh, of oppression to it because... The world this takes place in is one that's been devastated by this scientific endeavor, and now the ones living above the ground are this truly psychotic society. They're they're very cult-like, yeah. They're reeling from this event and turning it into a way to like subjugate people and saying that it's a holy cause and a great reason. And then when we go underneath the ground, although we are in a darker location physically speaking, it feels more inviting and warm and friendly in comparison to his school or those streets or those buildings. Yeah, the underground is where the Ghibli film's happening, kind of. Oh, of course, and I thought of Ghibli as well. And you mentioned the film, but I also agree, it reminds me, of that and a few a few others and i we also 
have like these fun side characters. I like the guy who was uh like working for the villain who was like a good person. Yeah, the right hand man, the action guy. There's always a character like that in these films. Like I watched mm. a Netflix animation called uh, uh, what was it called, Neoma, which was an interesting film, and it had exactly this same character, almost verbatim. Like it's just it's just one that you know exists in a lot of these, and that's what I mean. Like it it plays around with a lot of familiar things, but that like that pitch about the different gravities and you know that these two characters having to physically hold and hug each other to get around is giving a lot of mileage to how much you are willing to invest yourself in this movie i think this is definitely one that lives and dies on how much you are willing to put yourself in that pitch yeah i agree also it's a good reason to have everyone hug all the time and bartek's a big hugger I'd hug you now, Ryan, but we're in different rooms. Each other. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, you know what they call Bartek? Huggy Bear. Because he's a hugger and he's a bear. And I like Snoop Dogg. And we all love Snoop Dogg. And uh, can we all give it up to give it up to Snoop Dogg? Clap Snoop Dogg. Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dogg. You had the best Spyro commercial. If he was a voice in the dub of this, who would he be? <laughs> um he would be it's funny to say oh he'd be the villain guy but uh i think he he'd be the guy um the guy from the underground who wanted to protect patema who helped ag get up the tower the old guy uh, not the, not the old guy the no. guy he's always with like his son was it oh yeah the young guy who's jealous and wishes he got the girl yeah, Porter, I think is his name. Interesting, because I was saying he should be the old guy, <laughs> Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, he'd be, he'd be, an, so he's underground, we can agree on that. Of course, and he's wise. That's why I picked him as that older character, because, you know, he was a wise character, and we all know Snoop is a man of... Great wisdom. Great, great, a fa- like a whole fountain of wisdom from, yeah. from Snoop. I don't, I don't know why he calls himself Dog, he's got like the wisdom of a lion. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and a wisdom of a doggy dog. And is there any other things you want to touch upon when it comes to the movie? Is there anything else that leapt out at you, both positive and or negative? Any beats of the story or characters in particular you want to go over? Um, not too much. No, I just I was really impressed by the premise. I was interested to see how the world worked, and in a way, I kind of was left wanting a bit more. Did you like the ending? It was pretty nice. Yeah, I, I liked. You know, we had that nice shot of like, oh, this is what was here all along, kind of thing. Um, and the colors in where in that location contrasted quite heavily with the you know, oppressive society that we'd seen all throughout. Um, yeah, it gave a lot of good, hopeful vibes. It was interesting to see, was that the moon or like looking like Saturn? Yeah, it looked like like Saturn or, or Jupiter. It was a planet with a ring on it. So it's like, are we on a different planet now? Yeah. And it was also, yeah, nice seeing the switch around to like, oh, now Patema's the one with her feet on the ground. That was good. Yeah, I I didn't know. I don't know. It was one of those endings where it just ends. It's like, oh, it did, okay. It's it did end. feel too quick, yeah. It, oh, it just ended? 
cool. And then we got a song with handwritten English subs, apparently, from the director writer of this. I think I read that online. Oh, okay. Uh, he felt the okay. need. So it just that... ends like Khan films. Yeah. Except for this one, he doesn't, you know, it's not like you kick the villain off a cliff and then it ends. It's not, um, uh, it, 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 it's not, what's that movie, that Miami Connection, where it's like they just kill everyone and then it ends with a, like, a, a, a quote saying, like, to end all violence in the world, we must be peaceful or whatever. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, I don't know. I, I The ending just left me unimpressed in a way because... I did have a lot of issues with this outside of just me not being a big lover of this. Like I said, I wish there was a bit more depth to these characters. And I just wasn't as into the fairly stock standard plot. The world could be a little bit more interesting. And you mentioned, we've mentioned some Ghibli films. Some Ghibli films can be very similar to this, but they really lean on the spectacle and emotions of their stuff and so i'm i just don't have that as greatly outside of the the you know the unique premise of these two people from a, a, a you know different gravities and so it didn't really leave a mark with me and my big a thing that really detracts from this and i i don't know if this stood out to you because i know on the occasion, I have a bit more of an ear for this, but the music was way too insistent to me. It was way too present. It was not that it was allowed. It was just it was it was always coming in to let me know what to feel and how to feel about it. And I and I wanted more subtlety from the score. It was always bombastic in my in my opinion, and it was just. It was an unwelcomed presence. There was just something about the way it all came together with the music that it just it really took away from so much of what was going on visually speaking. I'm I'm looking at this picture on the screen, this beautiful image, and I, I already can gather how I should react to it, but then the music will come in and it was just pouring on the cream too heavy. Did that stand out to you? Did you notice that at all, or did you have a difference of opinion on it? Uh, I might have noticed it. I, the, the fact that I've just watched a Bollywood film has kind of thrown off my sense of the music because the one that I did, the Bollywood film, had a few issues like that. But um, I, I don't remember it being a factor in my viewing of Potemo Inverted. And that is Potemo Inverted. Do you recommend this to people? I do. I, I quite enjoyed it. It was... You know, a bit cute. It was a bit creepy. It was. It was very. I, I love the world. The world is, you know, what I would take away from this one. Um, the world, how it establishes its rules, how the film plays with perspectives, and you know, flips around feelings both literally and non-literally. Yeah, this one is is a work of art. It's worth checking out. I do. I do believe it's worth checking out for for specific types of people. If you're a, a bit more versed in Japanese animation or animated films, this may not be the biggest winner for you unless you want to see them play around with things that you can really only achieve in animation, such as these two people of different gravities. This would be goofy as fuck if it was live action. I don't think you would get that emotional connection to yeah. it. <laughs> I, I did read a trivia point that apparently the year before there was a Hollywood film that had a similar sort of 
you know, upside down inversion thing and a lot of people saying like oh this film ripped that off but it didn't apparently they're very different things and also apparently the director said something here about how he directed like some mini-sode prequels to this before that yes. film even came out. I was so... actually tempted to watch it because if I could find it, I saw that was listed in his uh, credits and I, and I was curious if I should check it out or not, but I did not. Yeah, I didn't either because yeah, gotta gotta watch the film and review that on its own. <laughs> if you are someone who has a hunger for those YA dystopian type stories and this will go in there like a treat but i don't give it the 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 heartiest of recommendations this didn't really do it for me as much and uh i i still would say though if you're wanting to expand your palette you can't go wrong with it either so yeah i'm enthusiastic and impressed but yeah not quite in love and so, now it is my turn to recommend a film, is that correct, Mr. Bartek? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say the film. Come on, go on. Next episode lands in spooky month. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. So give us a spook. In October, we like to choose films on the more spooky variety. That does not mean just plain old-fashioned horror, but things that have a certain atmosphere, certain vibe, the things that you watch or would like to watch during the October month. So we like to recommend films that lean in that world more so, and I am going to choose a film that has circled the drain of Bartek and I's relationship, but he has not seen it, and I have, and in fact I was involved in a production that was in, in in this, which is the film The Innocents, which is an adaptation of Turn the Screw in a university. I was in a production that was an adaptation of The Innocents and Turn of the Screw. So we are going to be watching the 1960s movie The Innocents. Is this the one that's mostly Spooky women? Well, kind of, yes. There's This is a story that is about a governess having to go out and look after some children. And that's all I will say about the plot. I will say to you, Bartek, my highest of recommendations is to watch this at night in the dark. That okay. is all I'll say. It is a film... At night in, in the dark for a spooky month pick. I'm it's in a black. It's black and white as well for those needing to know. And like with last year with the the haunting, this is one of those '60s gothic films. So be prepared for a more atmospheric viewing experience. But I think it's an interesting one nonetheless, and I can't wait to finally talk about it and go over it on the podcast so everyone please make sure to give that a watch for yourself and get ready for spooky month i think it's fair to say that this is one of our favorite times of year for the podcast it's interesting that for the rest of the time we can recommend whatever the hell we want on this podcast for the most part and then when we get to a month where we're, we're, we're in the confines of a certain type of thing, that's when it's really exhilarating. Because in my eyes, I don't know if it's the same for you, there's, there's almost like a, a, a preciousness to it. Like, I have to choose 
something like worthy of this requirement rather than when we just do whenever, whatever we want, you can just be like, oh, I'm just going to choose this film that's been on my watch list for a while. Or well, Spooky Month, it's like, it comes once a year, man. Got to make sure I'm grabbing at something that I, you know, I usually hold off for a year. Uh, yeah, I, I usually look forward to it. Not so much the picking films, but the watching films I'm talking about then. Yeah, well, yeah. I, everyone. I was, I was struck down in our first one when uh, I recommended Story of Ricky, and you're like, it's not really spooky. <laughs> uh, that's how this film should have ended too, like Story of Ricky. Yeah, punch the wall. <laughs> and then end. Uh, this should have ended on a freeze frame of a little creature giving a thumbs up. And then it would have uh, been That wasn't perfect. a spooky month film. No, but it was great. Uh, so make sure to give The Innocence a view and thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. You can find us on social media under Spit and Polish Presents. You can email us directly if you want to just have a chat or if you want to give us some of your film recommendations over at spitandpolished at gmail.com. All of this is included in the description below for your convenience. And if you have not rated and reviewed the podcast, I mean, Bartek, what do you say to those people who haven't? Yeah, I don't blame you, but do it. I will be a good man and reveal that in the last year, I have completely forgotten my login details to my Apple account, like my Apple like iTunes account. Mm-hmm. And I can't be bothered to do anything about it. So I do understand why that can be an annoyance. But if you use something like Spotify or Podchaser, or if you're on our YouTube page, just give a like or a rating or whatever. It means a lot to us both. Yeah, recommend and, us to a friend or enemy or family member. Yes, yes. Lover, perhaps, who's from a different gravitational pull. Hey, yeah, but if, if, if you're lovers who live together, though, you have to watch it separately. If they put in our podcast in our ears and they're from a different gravity will that fuck them up in the in like the long run because they're hearing something from a, a different gravitational pull uh well i mean they they talk to each other in the film right Do yeah that. but like does that have a long-term effect i don't know i don't know i don't know next podcast one of us will be upside down Who's saying we're not Wait, that, right does, now? that doesn't change the gravitational pull. No, that doesn't work. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. So no. get get real, as David Lynch would say. Get real. <laughs> I can always get a little giggle out of Bartek by referencing a David Lynch quote. I was, always... I was literally thinking about that video, not that quote, but him hesitating to say fucking. <laughs> fucking. One of my favorite yeah, David Lynch ones is when he is lamenting not getting enough time in a set for Twin Peaks to return. And he says, <laughs> I want more time to dream. That was one of the best quotes. He's so genuinely mad at something that most people would say, like, oh, they didn't give us enough time to finish the film. Not enough time to dream. <laughs> and the other one I enjoy, just to end the podcast on this, is David Lynch telling a small child to cry more. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can What's you do it? What was the child's name? No, I can't remember what the name was, but it's like, that's uh, it. That's it. Good job. And he's like, now crawl around. Crawl around on the on the ground like a baby. Good job. It's just him encouraging <laughs> this fucking weird-ass moment that's like two seconds in the episode of mm. Twin Peaks, but it's like 40 minutes of him getting this happening in real life, probably. 
or longer. David Lynch, David Lynch, I think you'd like Potemo Inverted. 